Okay, mine seems to be recording correctly. All right. Yeah, three. Wait, two. wait, 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 wait. I need to put on my blindfold for this. Okay, I'm yeah. ready. Three, two, one. Oh. It just helps me concentrate, you know? Oh, yeah. O okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, I haven't done a clap blind attempt in a long time, so I need to get some practice in. Oh, yeah, you got... Uh, clap blind coming up at some comp or something that's right is that a new skill con thing it, it could be <laughs> <laughs> i mean they they play table tennis with their head why can't they clap blindfolded <laughs> that's true uh i mean i don't know how you would score that would it just be like the loudness of the clap i guess <laughs> it's the speed clearly oh right yeah so you... yeah how quickly you clap okay does this yeah. include like a stack mat like are you putting your hands off and on I didn't do that, but I mean, maybe in reality it should be timing because I was trying to line it up with another clap. Yeah, that that would work. <laughs> yeah, like how far off? In so it's time it's teams of two. Clap? Wait, hold yeah. on. This could actually be kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> it, it's like it's like a group mind building sort of like theater exercise or something. So like you and your partner both blindfold yourselves, yeah. and then like a judge says go at some point. And then, or or no, you each get, you get tapped. You don't know when you're going to get tapped. And then after you get tapped, you are allowed to clap. And then mm. you just try, you have to try to clap in sync and try to sense and like, when no the other. no communication whatsoever. Right. You have to try to sense when the other person's going to clap. Mm. Is this a horrible idea? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to need some new WCA events soon, right? <laughs> That's true. Uh, but we're not getting into that yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should like actually introduce the podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Andrew, and I'm a hi, podcast. I'm Kit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, this is this is my podcast, Andrew. Hello. <laughs> I'm actually. This is the, yeah, the secret's out. I'm just. I live in Kit's computer. He just whoa turns me on. Not like that. He turns me on when he wants to record a podcast. <laughs> family-friendly show uh so this this is layer by layer that's right a a inconsistent maybe bi-weekly show uh, ostensibly about cubing i like how you have revamped our uh, <laughs> tagline in response to the corner cutter podcast wait it what in response to who i didn't know i was in response to anybody oh no like, right of course no. <laughs> it, of course it's a totally independent thing and they totally weren't uh taking a shot at us uh not that not that we're shooting back because it's because we are inconsistent yeah it's we're very inconsistent um <laughs> i mean just did you see that like i don't know like five minute like random rambling without <laughs> actually introducing the podcast i mean we're 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 inconsistent about releasing podcasts and we're inconsistent about podcasting. yeah i mean can you can you believe that it like we haven't recorded since that three by three horde record single was broken oh god it's old really? news now but we should still talk about it <laughs> But like, okay. <laughs> before we do that, I'd like to remind everybody that uh, this show's uh, image, our logo, was uh, created by Sarah. Wonderful, wonderful design. Um, and let's go into follow up. I guess. Oh, we'll oh get wait, into wait, that wait, wait, wait. We have one more, two more things in the things that uh -oh. we have to say at the beginning every time. Um, we this is the, the, the the date. Hello. The date. I say hello a lot when I don't know what else to say. Do we today? Do we want to try this again? <laughs> no. Today is December eleventh, two thousand and eighteen years after 
the birth d yes after the d um <laughs> except it's not after d it's like it, it's a latin phrase for like it's like the year of our lord yeah so As, um abjure abjure dead it's a power that i have no. in dungeons and dragons um and if you want to get in touch with us you can do so at our subreddit the internet.com slash reddit slash layer by layer dot net the internet.com i want to see this website now <laughs> the internet.com um it works <laughs> what is it it's a it's an apache default page <laughs> like it's like someone set up their web server and then just didn't do anything <laughs> with it like the literally the thing you see when you go to the internet.com is just like the first thing that my eyes went to is a red bar that just says it works <laughs> that's great it's just a way to check if the internet works <laughs> <laughs> man <laughs> Oh, someone's really parking that domain. Yeah. They're making bank on the internet.com. <laughs> Did I actually give enough information there for people to find our subreddit? They can do it. There's yeah, smart people. <laughs> I think so. All right, follow up. It's a, it's a, yeah. It's episode 11. We have smart listeners. Um, so the first thing I wanted to follow up on, we kind of very conveniently got into a discussion about multi-scoring last week. Yeah. Uh, by fun random selection of reg of the day. It was interesting because... After we did that recording and released the episode, like in the past week or so, there's been tons of discussion about multi-scoring. I'm not sure if it's resulting from this podcast or if it's just kind of from kind of the, I don't know, the whole, uh, <laughs> seems like the past two weeks have just been a lot of discussion about potential changes to cubing yeah. and the WCA. So I don't know if it was just, you know, coincidence it probably was just coincidence that we brought it up. I mean, last at least time. some of what people have been talking about seems to have been brewing for a while, like quietly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But what was interesting is a lot of people started discussing different scoring methods for multi last week. And the scoring system that someone proposed, I think it was Chong Wen, proposed this idea where you just take the number of cubes solved and the accuracy mm -hmm. as a percentage of cubes solved and multiply them together. Okay. As it's like, well, it weights like it should weight equally you know your accuracy with how many cubes you solve yeah i mean to some extent Which, although whether or yeah. not that's actually a balance is debatable yeah exactly what is weird about this though is that so obviously n out of n attempts literally the score doesn't change mm -hmm. but um basically for as you get more and more inaccurate so say like you know as you miss more and more cubes and some attempt you're getting more points in that scoring method than you would in the current scoring method no matter what the attempt is can you give me an example just so we can see like what the difference is sure so um for example here's a really terrible one so let's say you attempt 30 cubes and you get 15 right all right or solved um 15 out of 30 is a zero point attempt currently yep just 15 solved minus 15 unsolved Yes, exactly. So in the new system, though, where you take accuracy times cube solved, your accuracy is 50%, 15 over 30. Mm -hmm. And the number of cubes solved was 15. That means you get seven and a half points for a 15 out of 30. Yeah, that's 
<laughs> not great. Um, so s- seven out of seven would not beat this. I mean, you could make the argument that that makes sense, but I don't think most people would. Yeah, and the reason I say 7 out of 7 wouldn't beat this is because N out of N temps, their points don't change, basically. Mm-hmm. Because you have 100% times cube solved. Yep. Set, which is whatever that N out of N is. So, but there's one actually really cool thing about this system that's actually kind of desirable. A lot of people were talking about, like, like just throwing out two attempts that seem close and trying to make a decision about them internally, which one they think is more impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, Graham, I think, especially was doing a lot of this, um, and we were discussing kind of, like, how... I forget the two examples, but what we kind of came to the conclusion is that N out of N attempts are super impressive. Yes. Um, And there should be somehow some reward for getting super high accuracy. Yeah. There's another thing I saw Graham mention, which I'll bring up later if you don't. Um, Okay, okay. I probably won't. Okay. But, uh, so bring it up. Uh, All right. Uh, do you want me to do it now, or do you want to go, go off? Yeah, of what yeah, yeah, do it now. Okay, so one other thing he was saying, which is something that I kind of realized was how I was weighting things without really realizing it, was that at lower values, where the number of cubes attempted is well below the world record, so it's basically something that's easy for people to achieve if they put a little effort into it, not necessarily like easy for me to achieve, but like, yeah. you know, like 25 cubes or something. I can't do that, but I, I can conceptualize that it's not way out of reach. So for that, Mm -hmm. in that range, I feel like accuracy is more impressive. But when you get up to such a high number of cubes that it's difficult to do that many cubes within an hour, then I find that doing more cubes is impressive. So that's why I personally feel like 45 out of 50 is more impressive than 40 out of 40. Or maybe not 40 out of 40 because 100% accuracy, like you were saying, is a big deal. But like... Yeah, but maybe 45 out of 50 and 43 out of 46, which in the current system are both 40 right. points. Yeah, so in that case, I feel like I, I think that 45 out of 50 is more impressive because just doing that many cubes in, at all is so difficult. So, yeah, of course, yeah. that then it's like, how, but how do you ever wait for something like that, especially because world records is going to keep going up and like, you know, it's going to that upper bound is going to keep getting raised. And mm-hmm. so that, that, that makes it complicated. But I, I did sort of realize that that was what was kind of going on internally inside my head that made me weight different. Um, like, sometimes value accuracy and sometimes value number of cubes solved. Yeah, and I would say that's more of a personal judgment. Like, I don't think that that's something that people will always necessarily agree with. Yeah, that, definitely. But I was just, I thought that was interesting because I could never really put it into words exactly why I thought like that. But then when Graham said that, I was like, oh, that's that pretty much sums it up perfectly. Yeah, so for what you're saying is, like, for example, you think 45 out of 50 beats 43 out of 46. Yeah. But that, say, like, 18 out of 21 would beat 20 out of 25. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting. And I don't, I think that's a very subjective thing, and it's also kind of very uh, relative to where people's skill currently is oh yeah for sure i mean i don't i don't think you can ever create like a rigorous scoring system around that that is like consistent really yeah because the trick with that is that like two years ago when you know people not named Moscow were just starting to break 30 points 35 cube attempts seemed really impressive now they seem kind of pedestrian at the world-class level so I, like i said that's gonna keep getting like that that ceiling or whatever for when when it hits that point where it's more impressive to get number of cubes that's going to keep going higher so right so that's that's what's kind of tricky about trying to implement that sort of idea into a scoring system but let me tell you something that is a little less subjective mm-hmm. about a scoring system there is a, a um 
you know, there's definitely a belief that getting close to 100% is hard. And as you approach 100% accuracy, each step is like successively more impressive or successively more difficult. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And going back to the um, percentage correct times cubes solved scoring system, that system actually has a nice property that kind of follows that intuition that um, basically if you consider how many points you get, for, like, let's just say we're only considering 30 point attempts, throw out everything else for now. As you keep getting one more cube, each additional cube is worth more points than the previous one mm -hmm. was. And that's uh, simply because the percentage is always going up the same amount. So, like, in 30 cube attempts, um, you're going up, you know, 1 30th every time. But your number of cubes solved is also increasing. As a result, the payoff for each additional cube is larger than the previous payoff. So that's actually a really cool property. It's just that what sucks about that system as it stands is that, you know, that 15 out of 30 beats 7 out of 7. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just that in if you look, basically, and I made a post in the blind uh, support group on Facebook about this. If you mm -hmm. essentially take... Yeah, I saw that. Okay, cool. Because if you, if you essentially take... Like, I've used 30. So if you take any number of cubes attempted and check every possible score between, like, 15 cubes to 30 cubes, scoring with percentage times number of cubes solved is always going to give you at least as high, if not higher, of a score than the current system does, which is essentially rewarding inaccuracy over our current system. Yeah. Which is not great. <laughs> but if we consider that, like, okay... We want to have a scoring system, essentially, if we want to keep the properties of N out of N being worth N points and a 50% attempt, you know, and a half of N out of N mm -hmm. as being zero points, all we have to do is essentially scale, you know, the, the, per, the percent uh, method, scale that whole thing so that, you know, on the, that getting 50% is just worth zero yeah. points. That's actually kind of similar to what I was talking about for like kintrinks with the scaling things down. Right. Just the idea of scaling scores by like to stretch where you want the zero point to be. Right. Yeah. For example, with 30 cubes between 15 solved and 30 solved would be 30 points down to seven and a half points. And I'm just saying, let's take that scoring system, but let's just stretch it out. So instead of being a 30 to 7.5 scale, it's a 30 to zero scale. So how does that affect the results? Does that make it so that um, instead of, like, once you get past 15, like, obviously, mm -hmm. at 15, you'll be at zero. Once you get past that, do you start out having, um, like, is it does it start out being worse than the current system? Not, not like, not like a value judgment, but, like, are your yeah. scores worse? <laughs> like, is a 16 yes. out of 30 worse than a 16 out of 30 in the current system? Yes, yeah, so every score is now worth fewer points than the current system is. Okay. Essentially, the whole the the two points where they're equal would be at fifteen out of thirty or fifty percent and a hundred percent because we designed them to be equal that way. Mm -hmm. um, and it is essentially a curve underneath the straight line. Now, so basically, every score between sixteen and thirty and twenty nine out of thirty is fewer points than the current system. Okay. With the most the biggest difference coming around seventy five percent accuracy. Mm -hmm. Just because if you imagine a curve, it, it they intersect at 50% and 100%. So around 75% is where it gets furthest away and then comes back 
Right, that makes sense. Yeah, so that was the scoring system I proposed as like a potential alternative because it does have this nice property where the solving an additional cube gives you more points than the previous cube did. Okay. That... So, for example, 28 out of 30 would be 24.84 points. To, at 27 out of 30, that was 22.40 points. So getting that 28th cube, that cube was worth 2.44 points. So basically, like, the marginal, um, the marginal, like, improvement or marginal score per cube mm-hmm. is increasing. Exactly. As you, as yeah, you and, solve more cubes. Yeah, and marginal meaning, like, taking the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. The, the term marginal comes from, like, Margarine. if you have, like, a table. <laughs> no, not exactly. It's like, um, you can't believe it's not butter, and it's like there's a slight difference <laughs> between it and butter, and that's the marginal difference. Uh, not quite. Um, it's actually because when you, like, write out a table, you're, you know, like, usually you have it, like, if it's, like, in a book or if it's in, like, a, on a sheet of paper or something, you're writing, like, the differences between two things in the margins. Okay. That's literally why it's called marginal. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. But um, regardless, so between 27 to 28, you gain 2.44 points. If you make it to 29 out of 30, that's going from 24.84 points to 27.38 points. And now that's a 2.53 improvement. Okay. So it's not it's not like a super dramatic change, but it's a slight no. gradual ramping up. Yeah, just a slight little ramp up toward the highest score. So it gives a lot of weight to getting a perfect attempt. Right. Now, another thing, though, that Mark Rivers did in this group is he actually said that he actually had similar thoughts to me and was, um, he, though, scaled the percentages before um, doing the multiplication. So you're going from 50% to 100% attempts. Okay. So when you actually do the multiplication of percent times cubes solved, oh, just scale out the percentage. Instead of being 50% to 100%, go from 0%, which is really 50%, to 100%. Okay. So does that affect... I'm trying to think of yes. how that would actually affect it, because it seems I know, like it's it not very, very clear. <laughs> it is. It's a little more dramatic of a curve. Okay. Um, you would get... Instead of 24.84 for the 28 out of 30, you would get 24.27 for the 28 out of 30. So the, the the marginal improvement is a little bit bigger. The very last cube, the cube that gets you a perfect attempt, that last cube is worth 2.93 points. Okay. Whereas the last cube, in when you scale the scores in the end, um, it, the marginal improvement is 2.62. So it's slightly more dramatic of a curve. Yeah. But essentially the same principle. Um, and it kind of makes things tricky because, you know, I didn't even think about scaling percents. And I thought like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty objective scale because we're just taking it to match, you know, this certain assumption that 50% should be worth nothing and 100% should be worth the maximum. So let's just scale it there. But you can also apparently pre-scale it to get the same result. One one place those two systems might be more different is when, if you consider it um, the d- different numbers of cubes. I feel like that they would like diverge somehow. Like your your system might give very very different results at like a small number of cubes versus a lar- large number of cubes, whereas the scaling the percentage might be a more similar curve. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why yeah, if that's true. 
but the thing is yeah with a small number of cubes i don't think it's actually going to make any difference compared to the normal system because there's just not a lot of room for it to curve yeah but does scaling i feel like scaling the percentage though would still do the same same amount yeah i don't think that there's a difference at between the two systems for low cube attempts okay um, in reality, I think that if you wanted to compare like any number of cubes under 10, honestly, I think you could probably use the current system to check. And if they're different, they're probably those would probably line up. If they're the same, it probably would just go with the more accurate attempt. Okay. That's like, I honestly think that's the only thing that would change for low cube attempts. I think that it gets a little more dramatic, though, at the upper end. Would you prefer if this system that you've come up with or the one that Mark came up with, would you prefer that one of those were actually implemented? Definitely not. Okay. I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think so. Because no. last time you talked a lot about how you liked how simple it was, and I agreed with that. Um, yes. This is definitely a lot less simple. Right. Um, I personally have a strong preference in multi toward having a system that is consistent and simple to understand. Yeah. Um, what's really nice is that while maybe to someone who's never seen multi before, um, if you look at a ranking list for multi, it's very easy to understand, you know, how many points everybody got mm -hmm. and why they're ranked a certain way. Even if they don't have, they don't have to put the points there necessarily. If you, It's a very simple rule to understand how it's scored. Mm -hmm. um, whereas when you have these fractional scores, you know, like 21.16, you know, yeah. like... It just kind of um, seems it, like someone picked a random number out. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's, yeah, I personally don't like this shift. Um, I think that, honestly, um, you're not going to find any system that's equally or more simple than our current system that's better than the current system. I think I'd agree with that. The only system I think that might be agreeable, which... To some people, and honestly, this is how a lot of people wanted multi to be when they proposed the event at first, is that you take all 100% attempts first and rank all of those, and then rank all of the non-100% attempts. Yeah, but that... <laughs> but 100% is so hard, especially when you get to higher numbers. Then, like, the it more is... skill, the more skilled people, their results would be weighed less... Or, well, they wouldn't right. be able... They would never be as ambitious... But take, okay, so consider though 10 years ago, or 11 maybe by now, when they, multi was never an event. We mm -hmm. just had three blind, four blind, five blind. Every blind event had the same property of you needed to solve everything for it to count. Right. And one of the things that uh, you know, people said about multi is like, wait, we're going to allow people to have impartial results. Or, like, results where, like, Partial, some things yeah. were solved or some things were not solved. Um, like, people thought that kind of went against the spirit of blindfolded events. Mm -hmm. Currently, as it stands, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, it would be crazy to try to change this now just considering how people are practicing the event. Because that shift in, you know, assumptions that people have about how the event should be treated mm -hmm. um, greatly changes how people are going to practice it. Right. People would go a lot for a lot safer attempts and then try to get as consistent as they could at like a safe number of cubes. Right. Um, and that's what people argued is that, you know, they wanted to see people attempt more cubes. 
Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be so harsh that just a single mistake kills your attempt. Yeah. We should give credit for what you did solve. And that was one of the main arguments that led to the scoring system we had today. But one of the propositions when they were inventing or, you know, proposing multi was to make it that um, you had to get all of them right for it to be, you know, considered a success. And they would still, like, rank the the partial successes, but they would be under every N, N out of N. Yeah, that's actually that's really interesting because if you think if you think about that, then like like our current world record is n out of n. But yeah, there's no way it would be that high if that were the system. Like, oh no doubt, you'd be insane to attempt that many cubes. <laughs> right. So um, that's huh. <laughs> I mean, it would also uh, the thing is though, I don't think you'd be insane to do it. I think that you know, I think we would get there eventually. It just would be slower because. Um, People will still push for world records and like they'd probably just be like, look, if I miss it, I don't care if I don't get first. I'm just trying to go for a record. Yeah. You know, um, I guess I just yeah, it would make the world record creep up really slowly. Yeah. Like, I think we would have made it to 48 out of 48 at some point, but it definitely would have been a lot slower than it was as it stands Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Um, And I think that makes it kind of a a crap event when um, in order to like go like go for records, you have to go for so many cubes, but you're doing it at the expense of trying to win the competition that you're at. Yeah, that's actually that would be a tension that exists that wouldn't exist for any other event. Right. So I think it's very good that we went with the system that we have now. Um, but there were definitely people that originally, you know, were blind purists that <laughs> argued that, you know, blindfolded is an all or nothing deal. If you don't solve it all, you didn't solve it. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are the only two reasonable systems. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, there are probably other good systems, but I don't think they're going to be as simple as the current system. Yeah. That's kind of the argument I'm trying to make here is that... Um, as much as, you know, there are weird cases where we don't like how two scores compare, I don't think you're going to do any better with any other system. So you've got uh, any any news on SkillCon and dodge cubing since that's coming up real soon? Yeah, so um, I definitely asked about it, and they said that we could just kind of use the court when it's open. Because they, <laughs> the do- I think I mentioned last time the dodgeball crew is not going to be there. Yeah. Uh, and they just kind of said, yeah, you know, we're setting it up anyways because ESPN really loves the dodge juggle event <laughs> where, you know, there's jugglers and people are trying to throw dodgeballs to screw up the jugglers and other people are defending their juggler. Yeah. Um, so apparently they love that and they're still going to run it. So they have all the dodgeball equipment and they're going to set up a court for that. Um, but uh, I never really heard back on when exactly we could probably we'll figure it out on the fly when we get there (laughs) um but i really do want to try this out do you have have you do you have like the official version of the rules you're gonna use yeah i don't have that yet we'll figure it out (laughs) (laughs) um but one thing that we are gonna do they are having dodge juggle tournaments Mm -hmm. between all of the different skills okay besides juggling um (laughs) or maybe there is a juggling team i don't know but um they're going to loan a juggler to every skill oh that's great like the cornhole the power lifting the cubers um (laughs) so um they're gonna loan us a juggler and we're gonna send five cubers out to you know have the cubers dodge juggle team it's really funny yeah so it's gonna be kind of cool apparently the goal is they're gonna do a um 
from what I've heard, an ESPN special where they um, basically highlight all of the different skills that are at SkillCon, but in the guise of doing like a dodge juggle tournament. <laughs> That's fun. Um, yeah, so they're gonna ha- like apparently put some clips in of all the different skills. Um, they apparently do like short little clips about SkillCon for ESPN somewhere every year. Hmm. All right. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's so that are you going to be sure on, on ESPN and on your on the Dodge Juggle team? Maybe. <laughs> that's that's what I'm hoping. I'm gonna. I, I'd love to do it, but uh, you know, I also have to run a competition too. <laughs> yeah, it's going on during one handed. I think. Oh. Uh. So, but I mean, we have I think five delegates that are going to be at this competition. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably be able to manage. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully we can get dodge cubing together though. Uh, I know Ryan has a lot of sales lying around. He he mass purchases a bunch of sales for like the UC Berkeley Cube Club. Mm. Oh right, okay. So that's uh I'm I'm probably going to see if I can rope him into like bringing like 60 cubes or cool. something <laughs> <laughs> so that we can do that. Nice. We'll make yeah. sure you you record it whenever it happens somehow. Yes. <laughs> yes. We will we will make it happen. All right, you want to get into topics now so that we can get to the yes. real important stuff? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the big one, the 3x3 three three world record single. Um, yep. I have a good amount to say about this that I've kind of like prepared. Uh, okay, do you, have, do you have a script? I don't, okay. but I've thought I was gonna about ask you to rem- it a lot. I was going to ask you to read it dramatically if you had a script. But, um. <laughs> I can write a script as I'm saying it. No, I can't That's actually okay. do that. <laughs> can you can you say whatever you're about to say super dramatically, though? All right, yeah. Um, okay. In a world <laughs> where people solve Rubik's Cubes, one man <laughs> can hold the world record unless it's tied. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, wait, so... Uh, <laughs> So, in case you missed it, uh, <laughs> Yu Sheng Du from China broke yep. the 3x3 world record single with a 3.48? Is it 8? I think it's 8. 7. 7. 3.47 second solve. And, yeah, I mean, from what I can tell, it was, a, it was like a 27-move solve or something. Uh, real yep. short. Double X cross. Um, well, I mean, 27 if you do the cancellations. I, right, which you did it. No, maybe. Yeah um so real short solve yeah, maybe. executed quickly and overall like a good result there was yeah. no good video of it though which has been kind <laughs> of a controversy um yeah aside from other people just being like confused about this person they've not heard of because most people haven't heard of a lot of the chinese cubers um, right. or at least out here they haven't yeah i mean to me this is kind of like the equivalent of when colin burns got the world record like yeah we knew about colin burns in the u.s uh, we we meaning Andrew myself and other competitors in the U.S. I will clarify. Um, so the royal we knew <laughs> about Colin Burns, but you know I don't think many people outside of the U.S. knew who he was until five point two five happened. Right. So there's been a lot of talk about how um, this world record hasn't had like a video recording of it, or at least there yep. there is kind of one. It's like security camera footage or something. Um, yeah, I don't know, it's like very high footage. angle. Um, yep. I have a lot of thoughts on that because we've talked before about like recording solves and mm-hmm. uh, one thing I've been seeing a lot of Huber saying, like not to call him out specifically, but I saw Jay McNeil mentioning how like 
a lot of like for a lot of the time for fast cubers, you don't want to record yourselves because it could make you more nervous or even just like you don't want yourselves to be like scrutinized more than other cubers. Personally, I would be a lot happier if there was a recording of the solve. Um, oh, I think we all would. Yeah. yeah. And but I think that to the extent that not so to be clear, I don't think that Yu Sheng Du should have recorded his solve. I don't I don't think that would be a reasonable expectation at all. Mm-hmm. However, I do think that it, the solve should have been recorded. Whether whether <laughs> uh, so, like this is hard to say, but um, or hard to put into words. But I I think that the World Cube Association currently tries to value like all solves equally, kind of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and treat all solves like they're equally important. I right. don't think that's true though. I think that not all solves are equally important, and there's a lot of reasons for that. For one thing you can just tell what people care more about and people care about fast solves. They care about solves that win championships and stuff. And also there's often prizes associated with those things, uh, especially right. like there's big prizes for world records these days from uh, like cube companies and stuff and sponsorships at stake. Yeah, um, totally. And I think that not having a recording of the solve is kind of a big deal. It makes it so that like, I don't believe that there was anything wrong with the solve. And from like the, you know, the subpar footage we have, it looks like everything was like totally in in order and everything. But at the same time, like I would much prefer to have a good video of it so that I could see what's happening. And I think that there should be something done like by the WCA to make it so that we can get that footage, whether that's saying that all competitors have to record their own solves, which has a lot Mm. of problems, of course. Yeah, I don't like that. Or saying that delegates should, like you mentioned in the past episode, record fast cubers solves. Or have a system to record fast cuber solves. Or just like, in in that case, you might miss someone. Like if somebody comes out of nowhere and you didn't know how fast they were. Um, but mm-hmm. I still feel like it would be better to have something in place to make it so you catch as much as you can. Or just to have like a couple cameras set up at every competition to record all of the solving stations. You don't have to have like one per station or anything. But just just to get some kind of footage of everything that's going on so that you can review it if necessary. I just... Like, I've seen a lot of people talking about it and saying, like, nah, we don't need video footage of solves. We need to, like, like, there's no way that everyone's solves would be reviewed, like, with equal weight and everything. And I just don't think they should be. I think that there are solves that are more important than other solves. Like, you could create a procedure for it. Like, if if a solve is a world record or any kind of record, um, national, continental, world, um, not personal record, because uh, that would be, like, for everyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But... If it's some kind of record, you review it. If it's like part of a winning average or like a podium average or something, you review it. And then I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to come up with like a good definition for like just fast, notably fast solves in general. Um, Yeah. That might be something that we'd miss. But still, I feel like if you have those other things, if you review all the podium solves and all of the record solves, I feel like that takes care of a lot of the problem. Yeah. um, Wow. Okay, um, <laughs> it's, I'm feeling like stressed listening to this as a delegate. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think for me personally, if I were told that I needed to do that, I think it wouldn't be too hard for me to do so. I worry about competitions, though, that aren't in as developed countries as the U.S., um, that may not have enough equipment to be recording solves nonstop. I think I agree with that, but I think that the WCA is large enough at this point that they could, that they can provide 
or that or at least that they they can come up with a with some kind of system to provide the equipment those competitions need. Okay, but then here's the other thing too is what is the what happens say like if an NR doesn't get recorded because it was like surprise or something does it not get to count as an NR because it wasn't recorded? Yeah, so that's why I think that the the uh, um a better system would just be to have like a few cameras that can record every station. So you won't get like super close up footage or anything, but it'll still be better than nothing or like security camera footage. So I was just about to say like isn't that exactly what we had for the 3 by 3 world record anyways? Yeah, I, I mean it would be something closer than that. Like maybe a camera per two stations or three if they're close enough. Um, it's still a lot of equipment. It is, but I mean it's I I just I think it's worth it. I guess is the main thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I I don't know if we really have the funds to be buying that many cameras for that many competitions. There are so many competitions happening in so many different places. We have, I don't know, like, don't we have like almost 200 delegates or something at this point? Sure feels like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, just like, I don't understand how, I mean, we are collecting dues from organizers now that we are an official established organization. So, um there is some money there but i mean it would take years at the rate that we are collecting dues to get enough cameras purchased for all delegates to do this yeah so i mean yeah it's not an easy problem to solve but i also don't i don't know if it would take years i think that it could be done i mean a comp a competition itself raises you know like a 100 person competition in the u.s which gets charged the most um like out of among they're among a group of countries that get charged the most for dues and that would make a 100 percent comp i think would make i don't know like ten dollars at most or something maybe even less than that you think so i know so or, or well for the wca yes but that could be yes. raised the amount that is yeah i mean it, it it could be yeah uh i i I just, I think that this is a nice goal. I definitely don't disagree with you that it'd be nice for delegates to be able to review things. Um, the thing is, the other things I'd really like to be able to review are, you know, times where we, uh, you know, we'll run blindfolded events. And it, I don't want to name names, but I've definitely dealt with cases and have heard recently, too, of cases where people are cheating at blindfolded by, mm -hmm. you know, evading the paper that's being held in front of their face. Yeah, having a recording would also help with any kind of incidents. Right, but I mean, then are we recording everything? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if, if you have... Are we reviewing everything? No, 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 no. You review the important <laughs> stuff and you review the incidents. That, that's, what, that's what I'm saying is I a mean, lot of people, also... like, people keep saying, like, you'd have to review everything if you did that. I, I don't think you do. I think you just have to, like in any, like, like in lots of sports, they review contentious things and they review... Um, like important things like scoring, like in football or whatever, they'll if you score a touchdown, they're going to review it to make sure you actually get those points. If yeah, and they also have you know million dollars <laughs> review systems that we can't afford. I mean, the other thing too is like if you want to review the video, you have to like stop the recording. Like if you're at the competition at least and want to review it, you have to stop the recording, pull it out, like go through probably a two-hour video to find the piece that you need. Like can be reviewed after the competition <laughs> i mean if you know what incidents happened though and you have the video right there i mean 
it could affect round placement in the future. It could affect, like, the future attempts. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that would be nice to know, you know, at that time. And I think that if you can get, if we can get the, if we can get the cameras set up, which I agree is not easy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think that if we can get the camera set up, all of that would be relatively simple to take care of. Yeah. I mean, I know you can have, like, cameras that are, like... Because, I mean, obviously, like, when they do, like, replay at, like, you know, sports games, Mm -hmm. they'll be able to quickly pull the last, like, minute of coverage that they had and replay it. Right. While still, like, having the cameras rolling. Um, But, I mean, those systems are not cheap either. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, I I don't know, actually, how expensive it would be if... And how hard it would be to get that set up with something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, of, one thing you could do is... a lot of smart people is, in the WCA. They could code something. <laughs> I mean, the cheapest thing is probably have, like, private live streams of everything. Yeah. And then you could go back and, you know, rewind the live stream. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's probably the cheapest way to do it. But then you also have a problem of needing internet wherever you go, which <laughs> is not always guaranteed. So you probably want a more local solution. But I, I think there's probably a way to, like, set up something that is effectively, like, a live stream um, without internet. Like, that seems like a fairly minor problem. Like, if you can stream something, yeah. surely you can write to, like, a stream-ish thing on your computer locally. You know, I'm sure there is. I'm also just, you know, that system also probably costs, like, if it's software, it's probably going to cost a good chunk of money to get that sort of system. I, I just, I don't see this as feasible currently. Hmm. That's really, I, I think that this is a cool ideal to be able to, you know, instant replay anything at a competition. I would love, I mean, as a delegate, if, if that were free for me to be able to set that sort of thing up, I would love to set up, like, instant replay. I don't really know how possible that is. <laughs> well, I think that if people keep saying it's impossible, it's never going to happen. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and the other thing, I mean, the thing is, like, there are places in the world that are still using Gen 2 timers because it's so expensive for them to replace the timers. Like, they, people in, there are locations that need new equipment. They need, like, new stuff that's necessary for running the competition. Not just ideal, but necessary. And I just think that we're not in a place where we can start requiring competitions to have cameras set up everywhere. I just think that there are a lot of WCA competitions, which is a lot of opportunities for fundraising. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that happen at competitions that aren't like taken advantage of by the WCA. Like you could sell snacks and all sorts of stuff. Um, <laughs> well, like as it, a nonprofit, it's a little tricky to do that. Is it? And it is. There's regulations on like how you can raise funds as a nonprofit. So. Uh, like organizers could probably do that separate from the wca but if the wc is collecting the money then um certain transactions then become taxable which adds a ton of work to how we can collect that money as a nonprofit. okay so that's yeah, that may be complicated but i still think it can be done yeah um i, I just yeah. I, I feel like there's with the number of people competing and stuff like the wca should be able to raise more money than it seems to currently which I mean, it can still be a non-profit, of course, and, like, put all that money back into making competitions better, basically. Yeah, there's just a lot of legal loopholes to try to collect money in the way that you're saying, like, selling snacks and things like that. At least as far as I understand it, my 
nonprofit legal knowledge is minimal, um, despite <laughs> the fact that I'm the director of a nonprofit. Um, <laughs> but um, from what my experience is, that a lot of the things you're saying, I think, are a little more complicated than you'd like them to be. Maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. I, don't nonprofits do like fundraisers all the time and stuff? Like yeah, yeah, they'll do sales. fundraisers, but it's yeah, but it's usually based off of donations. Okay. It gets trickier when you sell things. Ah, uh, I see. Um, because then, especially if it's things that if they're things you make, then it turns into like, well, are you really a nonprofit or are you for a, a for profit entity? Yeah. So I have issues <laughs> with <laughs> this, and I think that it's definitely a cool ideal to strive for. But I think that the WC right now, as it stands, has a lot bigger fish to fry than worrying about recording every solve at a comp maybe but i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm I, I i i agree with you in principle i disagree with you in practice well okay so what about what about a different system where it's like the delegate has their camera and they just have to go record the people they think are fast <laughs> <laughs> i mean then it becomes like a a very inconsistently applied thing where some delegates will record a lot of things and some delegates will be like, Oh, I didn't think they were fast or So what if what if you just yeah, make it uh, like whoever is the top of like the psych sheet or whatever going into it, have it mandatory to record a certain number of them. And then you still might miss some, but you're probably not gonna miss a lot of people. Like people don't improve like just come out of nowhere that often. Like it happens, but I don't think you would really miss that much. Yeah, that's possible that you know, it would work fairly well, but, um, it's also a lot of work to go around and like, make sure, especially like if you have, you know, a competition with like 20 plus timing, timing stations and, um, you know, it'd be hard to, you know, make sure that one person, I mean, you probably have to have multiple people at certain times watching to see when certain people are competing and making sure they get recorded. Well, I think you'd have to change the structure of the event a little bit to make it so that like, you have specific times planned out for those people to solve. I mean, I would prefer them solving at different times so that you didn't have to, you know, worry about recording a bunch of people. Or, no, I, I don't mean like all at once, time. but just like you always know, like, okay, at this time, this person's going to start their average and yeah, they're going to be I, over here. And like, that yeah, I mean, you already <laughs> kind of do know that by having a group schedule, though. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess you could just be a little more careful of how you assign groups to make sure that you have a reasonable recording schedule. Right. And but, then and then also um, make sure those people always go to the same stations. So you'll know where they're going to be. Yeah. But is a delegate going to be doing the recording or can they delegate this responsibility to somebody else? I think they could delegate what's the, the responsibility. But that I mean, it, it sounds like this is a pretty big responsibility. Like, are we holding them accountable for making sure that they do the recording? Like, I mean... There's not, as we've learned with just, you know, switching scrambles, like, uh, you know, a lot of competitions have been just trusting scramblers to make sure they switch scrambles and tons of people apparently can't be trusted with this simple responsibility. Yeah. I mean, um, this I, sounds like a bigger responsibility than that. I, I don't know if it is because missing a recording isn't necessarily going to change that much, but, um, I don't know. I just think it, I guess this also comes back to what I feel like is a lot of the solution. It's like, if the WCA or, like, the delegate or whoever makes a mistake, then, like, it's okay. You just have to accept that and move on. Just kind of, you tried. Yeah, not, I mean, like, you can have some <laughs> internal repercussions for the delegate for poorly delegating their delegate powers um, or something. Yeah. But, but I, don't, I don't think that should be on the competitor. Like, if, they don't, if their solve doesn't get recorded, they shouldn't be punished. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. I just I think there's something that can be done. We can start building towards the ideal. I, I just I think it's it's a it is a big deal to have a world record with no good video of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not it's not like life changing to me. I mean, it definitely sucks for like publicity's sake. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, every time there's a three by three world record, you know, like media goes insane over it. Relative yeah, for I haven't Cuban. seen anything about this. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's just nothing visible so who's gonna watch it if there's nothing really to watch uh i mean honestly if they release that video can you imagine like the general public thinking like fake fake yeah fake <laughs> left and right like yeah. so I, yeah i think it's i think it's important for publicity i think it's important for competitors within the wca knowing that like everything was done correctly and trusting the system um mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, I could, like, what if something happens and it isn't recorded and there's not positive evidence to, like, prove that, that someone was cheating? Are they going to have to make a subjective decision and be like, no, we just think you're cheating, but even though we can't prove it, like... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. These are these are big questions, Andrew, and they're stressing me out because it sounds like a lot of work I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to have to do any yet until someone, some other people start listening to me. Uh <laughs> Great. Go talk to them. I'm not listening anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hi, listener. Um, Are you a big, important delegate like Kit? (laughs) You know what to do. (laughs) Also, while we're here. uh, Oh, oh, are you awake? Oh, sorry. I shouldn't say that. What? Oh, nothing. I wasn't going to say anything about your nose. I don't know what your nose looks like. I've only seen you in person like twice. Uh. I, I don't know. It's a nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was another world record that was l- at least more recent. Yeah. And pretty exciting, too. Um, yeah. Our, our boy, Max. That's right. I'm, I'm rooting for him since I'm an honorary member of the Northwest now since I talked to you. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Oh, is is that all it takes? Yeah, I mean the Northwest is kind of desperate for more like people, so they're just giving out honorary memberships. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I think I'm at least an honorary member of SoCal. If that's the case, let's be real. I don't know. We're kind of full. Uh, <laughs> full? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, pool's closed. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, Max Hilliard. 16.55 three blind world record single yeah and what's interesting to me is watching the video it maybe it's just the execution to me is just so hard for me to judge from video but like the i think most people when they watch a three blind record they get impressed by the memo length mm-hmm. yeah no it and was we, a really long memo for or at least it was a lot longer than i expected right i for a 16 second solve i expected like five or six second memo and it was seven and a half mm-hmm which speaks to how impressive the execution must have been. And I mean, Max is really good at execution. Yeah. That's from what I can tell his strength, but I was just watching and I was like, wow, that was, I thought I was amazed that it was a 16. Yeah, me too. I thought the exact same thing when I watched the video. Um, yeah. <laughs> were you at that competition? Where was it? Uh, it, w- it was in Tacoma. So it was definitely in driving distance, but that was grading hell weekend for me. <laughs> okay. So I didn't go, but uh, a lot of my a lot of the good old buddies in the Northwest did. So they got to see that. Yeah, 
the 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 funny thing is, or like the the scary thing <laughs> is that there's still so much room for blind to improve. Like with the pe- yeah. the crazy times people are getting these days. That's a huge leap from the current world record, but I could also see the world record going down to like 13 or something. Insane. Like <laughs> Yeah, I could easily see that. It's so scramble-dependent, so you just need a fast person to get a really easy scramble and then just execute it well. I yeah, mean, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so even though it is a huge jump from the last world record, I actually don't expect it to stand very long. I mean, blind singles have not stood long. No. Even when they have been bigger jumps. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it, it, it's super cool, though. I mean, that was... It's super cool to see how huge blind has gotten Mm -hmm. in terms of how intense people practice that event like i think honest honestly out of any event um i think most of this is thanks to ishan and how much he looked into finger tricks for blind Mm -hmm. um and three style algs i think honestly blind is one of the events i think if not is not the event that is closest to like human limits really you think so maybe i don't know i haven't thought about this this is an idea that i just kind of popped into my head like 30 seconds ago do do you mean like Um, unofficially because i think obviously officially it's got a long way to go before those times are down to what people are doing i agree i agree um i think though in terms of how people are approaching the event like i don't know how people could be doing blind any better than they are currently yeah I just don't see five style as being anything fe- feasible to do. No, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I guess Daniel Lin is learning like huge alg sets, like all sorts of stuff. But mm-hmm. even that, that's like a like how much more can he learn? How much more can you learn than that? Like right, that's that's what it's, I'm thinking. Like there's, I I know people are learning crazy. Like uh, Gianfranco has learned ridiculous hundreds of algs just to solve like parody two e two c cases. Yeah. Um, which is insane. <laughs> Consider that you're like basically just trying to do parody anywhere, like floating parody, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but I mean, even then, that's still a marginal improvement over just playing three style with a parody approach. Yeah. The thing to me that's been most impressive has been Ishan and the mostly led by Ishan, but like the whole blind community's like really huge push toward insane finger tricks for three blind uh, algs. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean. Just the execution of some of those things, like, like we've we've talked about it before because we talk about yeah. Max Hilliard's stuff a lot. Um, yeah, there are finger tricks people are inventing that are like useful in other like sighted solving methods and stuff. Right. Yeah. And like changing kind of the definition of like turn metrics. Like I feel like execution turn metric wasn't as like, or people didn't think about it as much a lot of the time when comparing algs and stuff since these mm-hmm. or before these blinders started doing that for everything like doing like ud as one move and all that kind of stuff yeah it's it's that's an event (laughs) it's definitely an event it might be the most like underdeveloped event or not underdeveloped but like in terms of what people have actually achieved so far versus what they could achieve it might have the most like results oriented underdeveloped yeah it might have the most most room to grow out of any of the events except maybe the other blind events um yeah (laughs) But like I can't I can't imagine any of the other like sighted events improving by like huge leaps like I can still imagine for blind. I think three by three could be up there. Um I think there's a lot of Oh you of mean for average. That, just average. I was, yeah. like, oh not for, single. For single now, I think that's gonna stand for a long time and if it's beaten, it's gonna be beaten by a little bit. 
yeah, I probably agree with you there. I think that the though the average though is very ripe to be broken. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it has a lot of room to go down too. I I think so too, but I don't think it compares to Three Blind. I agree. I agree. I think there's just so many people that are insane with three blind that just need the scrambles. Yeah. And I mean, Max, Max nearly broke three blind mean. Oh yeah. Right. Didn't he miss it by like a corner twist or something? Yeah. One of the corners physically twisted. Yeah. It wasn't like that. He forgot to twist a corner. It was that it would have been solved if the puzzle did not corner. twist. Yeah. I mean, his, his puzzles are insanely loose. I've never felt a looser puzzle than his three by threes. Yeah. He he has the GTS original. (laughs) just on the loosest settings you could possibly imagine without it exploding yeah which i mean i don't i don't actually understand how that's helpful but i guess it is (laughs) yeah i mean less friction yeah i guess but like blind is into these super optimizations i feel like i feel like when i'm turning a puzzle though it's like there comes a point where you stop gaining like a benefit from it and it just gets squishier (laughs) yeah maybe i i'm I'm probably just not qualified enough to say that for sure. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's working for him, so. Yeah. <laughs> Who do we, what do we know? Yeah. <laughs> Barely know how to run a podcast. Oh, are we recording a podcast right now? Oh, crap. I definitely shouldn't have said any of those things <laughs> about uh family-friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about a trend in FMC that I've noticed over the past year. And this is something I think really hasn't been used significantly until very recently. It's these three-edge X-corner skeletons. Yeah. And they've. what's interesting is that I feel like people seem to use them a lot more at home. Like, when I look at people's <laughs> results, like, from online competitions, I see them everywhere. And then when I see people post results from their competitions, they do them a lot less frequently. I've actually, uh, like, I haven't really thought about it, but I don't think I've ever done a, a skeleton like that in competition. But I do them all the time at home. And it's, yeah, no, it's not it's, like I don't look for them. It just... <laughs> okay. Well, it's interesting. It's coincidental. I, I don't... Yeah, I know. But, it, it like, now that I think about it, I'm like is my competition mindset causing me to not see them or I, I well, don't know. <laughs> I, I think the thing is they're, they're time consuming. I'm like doing mm, X corner three edges. I feel it's just a lot of reverseness testing things out. They're, they're time consuming if you're bad at them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but here's, I mean, the thing is like, unless you find one that's really good and then you find a good way to solve the three edges, um the thing is a lot of times i've i mean i've done them a few times at home and to some to success some not i'm still pretty bad at them but uh, a lot of times like i just don't think there is a good way to solve the three edges and then i feel like i'm stuck where i just wasted a bunch of time on a start that just didn't really lead me anywhere so i don't know if that's something you experience with this i i don't actually i think i think they're a much more like regular skeleton than that be, well, I treat them a lot like I treat five corner skeletons, because okay. I hate five corner skeletons. I like never get good insertions on them, and that yeah. probably has something to do with my turning style or not turning style. Uh, <laughs> turning style. <laughs> the cube is just everyone, like I don't like how you're turning yeah, me. Yeah, everyone bad knows if you, if you do more like you know my style, you get worse insertions. It's how it works. Um, no, Clearly. I meant uh, my solving style, because I do a lot of EO first, and just, like, I don't know, maybe the way I build my blocks or something. Um, Lots of half turns. 
Probably, yeah. But for whatever reason, I just have bad luck with five-cornered skeletons. So mm-hmm. in general, like with five-cornered skeletons, I like to have multiple of them or like a five-cornered skeleton and something else. Unless, of course, it's like a really good one. And I feel kind of the same way about three-edged skeletons. Um, like they're a little bit inconsistent. And sometimes it is just so bad that you can't get anything out of it. But that's why I always have a backup skeleton. Like, I always have something else to go with it. And that's never really been a problem for me. Like, as long as I have something else to go with the three-edged whatever corner skeleton, I can do them pretty quick. Like, mm-hmm. um, I'd be comfortable doing a three-edge some amount of corner skeleton in 15 minutes. And wow. if it was... And, like, I wouldn't want to do that necessarily and if I didn't already have a backup. But if it was so much better than anything else I found, I would just make it work. Like, like if I had a... Even, even if it's a bad way to solve the three edges. Yeah, so normally you want to insert, like, a sexy move or something to solve yeah, the Yeah, that's edges. ideal. Um, but you can also just, like... And this is more time-consuming, but, like, if you don't find any good places to insert a sexy, you can insert um, uh, just a com and then leave you yeah. with, like, five corners or four corners or whatever. Um, right. So if I have 15 minutes, it probably takes me five minutes to determine where, where the best edge insertion is. And then, mm-hmm. like, 10 minutes for whatever remaining corners there are. And that's a little bit tight for me, but it's doable. Okay. Yeah, so I don't think they're that bad. Um, and I, I've definitely looked at them in competition before. Never ended up mm. actually using it, though. Um, and, I, mm. and I think, like, if I had a three edges X corner skeleton that was low enough, like, if I had, like, a 10 move or 11 move versus, like, a 18 five corner skeleton, I wouldn't even check the 18 five corners. I'd just go straight into that. It's all it's all relative, of course, and yeah, yeah. But I, I've also noticed that that it seems like no one ever does them in competition. Yeah, and I I know that your insertion skill is definitely well above average, even among you know top FMCers in terms of how quickly you can do them. Yeah, I'm not. I don't always get optimal, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I remember when you did like the the uh, Rob's Challenge FMC with Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, wait. Did you base, did, who was the, so, were you the one finding skeletons or was it Mark that was finding the skeletons? That, I can't remember now. In that actually Mark basically did everything, but like finding oh, okay. the skeletons and he did most of the insertions. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but that, that was somewhat anomalous. Like our plan going in was for me, like both of us to start by looking for skeletons. Cause of course I can't insert anything if there isn't anything to insert, but then for of me course. to just like start inserting cause I can do it faster. Um, right, right. It didn't really work out that way because <laughs> just... I don't. I don't remember exactly what what went wrong with our time management, but yeah, and it and basically ended up being Mark doing almost everything. I found like one of the skeletons, and I did one insertion, and ended up getting far from optimal on it. Although I yeah, did get yeah. optimal, like as far as doing the best first com, it was a three com skeleton. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go into it, but that was a bad yeah. attempt. But yeah, I think I am a lot faster, or not a lot faster, but a bit faster at insertions than most solvers right yeah and i just i think that a lot of people maybe try them at home because they feel like eh, if i dnf whatever mm-hmm. but in comp if they see it they're like well i have this you know four corner skeleton or five corner skeleton that i could safely do with the time left and i know it'll get a solution I, I guess the other thing for me is often i'll think like unless i have because it's hard to get a really good three edge x corner skeleton Mm-hmm. Because usually the way you get a good solve out of it is your insertions are lucky. And the thing is, you're doing a lot of insertions, so you have a lot of chances to get lucky. So they end yeah. up being pretty good, but the skeleton itself is almost never good. Like, <laughs> you're never going to, or very rarely going to have like a nine move skeleton to that. 
Right. Because if he did, that would just be that would be crazy lucky as far as the blocks that get that form during that skeleton. But like totally. if you're in like the 13 range for three edges, some number of corners skeleton, that's mm-hmm. good enough to give you like a really good solve. That could be like a 24, it could be a 21, but you have to get lucky in order to do that and it's worth doing it cuz you get lucky fairly often with those kind of skeletons. But Yeah, that's an interesting point. But you never like you can never feel as sh- sure about it because your skeleton yeah. is always going to feel worse because it it re- it's a lot more luck dependent. Yeah, I guess the thing too is I'm probably not as good as looking for how to solve three edges well in that way and still preserve enough corners. Mm. Um, So I don't know. Maybe offline I'll uh, get some advice from you on those because I would like to know how to do. I have a really fast method for going through it, and it's not as thorough as everyone else's or a lot of other people's I've seen, like who will just reverse nest through everything. But is it on your uh, your FMC Ramble channel? It is not, and I really need to start updating that more. I meant to get back, I meant to get back into that recently. I haven't yet, um, but I should do that because I have. Yeah, I think that a lot of people haven't really thought of doing it the way I do it. So it's a good idea. Yeah, I'd be I'd be really interested to see that, and I'm sure the uh, few listeners that have made it this far would also be interested <laughs> in seeing that. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I assume that if we if people have made it this far into the podcast, either they're in the middle of an average of 100 <laughs> and are just like, eh, two dudes talking about cubing, cool. Um, or you know, you actually care about cubing enough that you probably do FMC semi seriously. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, I guess my conclusion about why they're like after having talked it out, I think the reason they're probably less common is that you're never you never have a good skeleton, even if you can have a good solve out of it. That's a fair point. Do you want to move on to the Martin Eggdoll of the day? Woo! It's the Martin Eggdoll of the day, everyone's favorite segment. Yes, my favorite news segment. <laughs> uh, in case you missed the last episode, uh, which actually it seems like a lot of people might have. I don't know if there was like some kind of glitch with Anchor, our host, our hosting site. Yeah, um, yeah, it was kind of weird. Because it, it, it also posted the episode... And it ch- it changed the logo of our podcast to the logo of one of my other podcasts. Did yeah, you- <laughs> I noticed that on the subreddit. Yeah, and I like I haven't even logged into the account for that other podcast since we since I tried like posted the last episode, so I have no idea how that happened. Um, so weird. But yeah, so I don't know. Something went a little weird with the last episode, so you might have missed it. Uh, in case you missed episode ten, go listen to it now. Um, yeah, and it then- was a milestone. Ten episodes, yeah. man. We never would have thought we'd make it this far, um, <laughs> and if we and we th- would have thought that if we did make it this far, it probably would have happened more quickly. Um, <laughs> Oops! But yeah, last time uh, we started a new segment called the Martin Eggdoll of the Day, where you we tell you something about Martin Eggdoll. Um, and today, yeah, I found out that his seven by seven times are interesting. He has Woo. he has a two thirty four single and a two thirty six mean. Isn't that consistent? Pretty consistent. That's uh, what man. What were the solves on that? Uh, on the mean, I assume the mean had his PB sing- or PR single yeah, in there. Yeah, I think it was two thirty four, two thirty four, two something else. Like two, there were two really uh, okay. two one two that were very close to the same low solve, and then something else that was a little bit worse. Okay, okay. But yeah, unless you have anything else to say, that's the Martin Eggdoll of the day. <laughs> We need a we need a sound effect for the Martin Eggdoll of the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Martin Eggdoll of the day, and then random sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yes. <laughs> it's going to be the, the silliest segment, but it, it, 30 seconds of pure <laughs> um, sum of ranks domination. Yep. The Martin Eggdoll of the day. Your 30 seconds of sum of ranks domination. <laughs> it sounds like we have a tagline for our <laughs> podcast within the podcast, except <laughs> this podcast is 30 seconds. Yep. It's, it's great. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we should have we should have a side podcast where we literally just do something <laughs> random for thirty seconds, yeah, and, re- and that's it. That that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's time for our second of the day. All My right. second favorite of the day. It's the reg of the day. Yeah, let's do it. Reg of the day. Reg of the day. Your Other. second favorite daily. <laughs> Daily, inconsistently, bi-weekly event. <laughs> oh, it's funny you say event. Uh, today's <laughs> reg of the day. <laughs> Not much currently longer, lists <laughs> Today's reg of the day currently lists the official events of the WCA. All right. What, what's, uh, wait, what's the number on this one? It's 9B. All right. 9B. <laughs> um, so 9B breaks them down into three uh segments the ones that are um average of five the ones that are um mean of three and the ones that are best of mm-hmm. so among those average of five events you know um yeah, there's a recent change too includes three by three with feet oh yeah because it used to be mean of three it did and it's now it used to be in the 9b2 subsection but it's since last year been in the 9b1 subsection wow how riveting what a Riveting, great man. normal discussion about a regulation with no relevance to current events. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, yeah, oh so uh, there's, uh, you know, been some discussion on the WRC GitHubs about 3x3 three three with feet potentially being removed at the end of 2019. Um, how do you feel about this, Andrew? Uh... That about sums it up. Uh, yep. So, um, so amb- ambivalent it sounds like. I I just haven't quite made up my mind. I think that I feel like I'm reacting a little bit to how how much people are like how excited some people are about this. Um, makes me like support feet more maybe than I otherwise would have. Yeah, it, uh, but yeah. also that's a. I recognize that that is not like a well reasoned, dis, like decision to do that. But right now, I am leaning towards thinking that it shouldn't be removed. But I don't know. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. There's a lot of people who have put time and you know, hours into practicing this event and getting good at it, and I think a lot of the arguments to remove it are very superficial. Um, I think that there's, I think the only like good case you can make is the WCA wants to become more professional as an organization and wants to, you know, not be stuck or stagnant in the event choices it has. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a tough move to go from, you know, very seldomly removing events because we've kind of, for our history, always, you know, been adding events and only removing when absolutely necessary. Yeah. And I don't see it as absolutely necessary to remove feet. I, I, the other, like, the most objective reason, I think, would be that it that just not a lot of people do it. But well, that's a terrible reason. Yes. I despise that being the reasoning for this. I because agree. Because that makes 
me feel like my favorite events <laughs> are all under target <laughs> because they are l- like my favorite events are the big blinds, fewest moves, uh, you know, so events that are less popular than feet. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think the reason that feet is targeted specifically by this is that it's an mm-hmm. event that anybody can do like with the same skills they have for three by three yet and not a lot of people do to. yeah i think that's where the difference comes in versus like the blinds and maybe not fewest moves but i also mm-hmm. i feel like fewest moves is also like there's a barrier to entry where people are like i don't want to stay at this competition for an extra hour and stuff like that um so like the time the t- like it doesn't take that long to do three by three with feet so that differentiates it from like fewest moves and you can do it with the same skills that almost every cuber already has so totally and yet still people still don't do it much which i guess makes sense as reasoning but at the same time people are starting to do it more i think maybe i don't know yeah the the, a lot of people have uh, cited data sources on it that have conflicting conclusions because they have hold different assumptions as to how to look at the data um so i i haven't looked at the data much myself to kind of draw my own conclusions yeah. um well what i can say it's for it's sure. definitely not declining yeah and, and what we can say for sure is that the world records have been and like people's skill in the event i think mm-hmm. has definitely been improving faster recently than it has in the past right um, definitely and a lot of that is because of daniel rose levine which we've talked about before yeah <laughs> right for sure but it's not just him uh, like he's also like other people are using similar techniques and stuff and like practicing more and mm-hmm. so you, we're getting a little more results that are much faster than they've ever been before than not even yeah, just absolutely. it's not just him and i think one thing that's pretty cool about uh feet now as it stands is that it's become this sort of event where large alg sets are very viable and almost necessary to be world class yeah which is i guess yeah it's that's actually i hadn't thought of that i mean obviously like there are people who are using like full zb in three by three speed solving but very few and a lot of people who know it or once knew it you know didn't use it because it was too much recognition to deal with at the speed they needed to go yeah but with feet you have a lot more time yeah, more time to look ahead to what your case will be as you're turning it. Just, I mean, with with a like a lower TPS ceiling with feet. I mean, it's just that it raises the potential for big alg sets to be used as part of it. Um, and it kind of like I've seen people use the argument that it kind of is somewhere living in between three by three and fewest moves. And I don't necessarily no, agree I with don't that. Think that. <laughs> no, I mean, it's from people who basically don't understand what fewest moves is. <laughs> yeah. If you're envisioning fewest moves as like people achieving world-class solutions by, you know, trying a bunch of different LL algs, then sure. It's somewhere on that non-existent scale. Or, or I guess like thinking of it as like all, all FMZ is linear then yeah 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 which no (laughs) um but it definitely fills some sort of cool thing that encourages people to learn more algs because you get rewarded more more directly in feet by learning algs even if you don't know them super well Mm -hmm. Uh, because if you have to use more time to recognize stuff you have more time to do it by turning slower yeah i mean i'm so I feel like it's easy to come up with reasons to keep feet, but I feel like you could do that for yeah. any event, kind of. Totally. And it's harder to come up with reasons to get rid of it, other than just kind of feeling like it should be gotten rid of. 
which I also feel is valid because there's something to say for like like there's a reason a lot of people don't do it. I, one of the arguments that I despise though about getting rid of the event that is people say that it's a gross event. Yeah, I don't like that either. <laughs> um, Cuban competitions are gross. Yep. <laughs> regardless of whether they hold feet. J- just it's ridiculous how like open up your your puzzles. They have never touched your feet. They are disgusting on the inside <laughs> if you've had them for longer than 4 or 5 months. Yeah. You are touching them. Scramblers are touching them. You're letting other people try your puzzles and you're touching them. Like, this is germ heaven. There's no way around it. Like, removing feet is not going to make cube competitions that much more sanitary. Yeah. Like, uh, it's definitely not going to be a significant jump to make them, like, all of a sudden, like, cube competitions are much uh, more hygienic than they were before. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so let's go over... So we've gone over a couple of the pros of keeping it. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you think of any others? I mean... Um, those are the main yeah, ones. Yeah, so people have put a lot of time into it. The times are getting better, and it's show, people are showing interest in it. Um, yeah. At least There's by at some least measures. no declining interest right. in the event. Yeah, and it it has some things that make it unique and interesting. And also, if we're going to keep 3x3 three three one-handed, like it's very similar to that, I think. Yeah, it, it's a more drastic version of 3x3 three yeah. three one-handed. you can draw a lot of parallels um, to that, which I guess could be yeah, an argument I mean, for or against it. Um, yeah. I mean, if anything, it makes you wonder, maybe we should remove one hand before we remove feet, because it's, it's it's more different. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're holding all other perceptions aside. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, let's see, argue, so arguments against it. We already kind of went over, like, some people think it's gross, even though I disagree with that. Or at least, yeah. it's not... That's not a good reason to get rid of it. Um, mm-hmm. There's the lack of interest in it, which now that i've said that one and now that i've kind of put it into words for myself that it's like a lack of interest in something that people can already do and doesn't take that long that mm-hmm. for me makes it that that argument a bit more um persuasive than i thought it was before because that does differentiate it from the other less popular events um, yeah just because the barrier to entry is low yet the participation is still low. right what else? There's setup time at competitions, although I also think that is relatively minor. Like, I've organized competitions with feet, and it wasn't really it's a problem. It's not hard. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I mean, if depending on how, like, foot, foot phobe you are, like, maybe you have to get, like, cleansing products to clean I, your timers I after. I did that but... at my competition, and it wasn't hard. No. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I didn't care about that, but other people did, so I was like, sure, I'll do it. (laughs) There's the argument that the perception of the media will be, like, worse for cubing because of it. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. maybe is true, but I've also seen a lot of stuff about, like, feet solving often goes, like, viral and gets really popular and people are interested in it. So I feel like that kind of cuts both ways as well. Yeah, a lot of people say, though, it's the media attention they don't want cubing to have. Like, they want to, you know, show off their world championships or their national championship, and then they see people doing feet solving, and all the media goes there. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't really realize it was framed in that way. That makes more sense, though. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, does that matter to me? And, like, I mean, to some extent, yeah, you want them to be covering, like, the 3x3 three three final or, like, you know, the, the big events like that, but to some extent, like, you know, what makes a good story is variety. And while it's it, to a cuber, like two by two through seven by seven is variety. It literally <laughs> does not make a difference to the news reporters. They'll say, you know, something along the lines of like, they're solving cubes as small as a two by two <laughs> to as large as a seven by seven puzzle. 
that's and 149. Like, right, like, yeah, Wait, I nope, mean, that's not. <laughs> so, and the thing is, it's like, sure, and I don't think I've ever seen like news people that like literally spend a hundred percent of time on feet. Like, what they're gonna do is they're gonna show blindfolded because that's really cool and yeah. different. They're gonna show one handed because that's also cool how fast they can yeah. do it with one hand. Um, the three by three, the main event, mm-hmm. um, Multi, probably. Yeah, if they if they get to the side room, like that would yeah, sometimes the media just never sees that room. But it's like if, if they, they do, do see, see it, it, that's a that's an impressive event. <laughs> yeah, it definitely it's cool to watch in the execution mm-hmm. phase. Um, and feet, um, <laughs> yeah, feet, and that's mostly it. I mean, but I mean, they'll probably you know different shapes or something. But it's again just kind of like a footnote, like seven, like seven by seven. Super weird. Also, look at these weird shapes. Look at this pyramid cube. Yeah. <laughs> it's this is a look at this pentagon cube. <laughs> um <laughs> To me, I see how people don't like that attention, but to me, I think it's honestly not a bad thing to show more variety in how people solve puzzles. Yeah. Um I I know that people disagree with that, and I think they have valid reasons for disagreeing with that, but um I don't see it as a huge thing that, you know, you know, media are attracted to feet just like they are attracted to other varieties in how we solve the puzzle. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that one um, can go either way. So I don't, I don't have a strong uh, yeah, opinion yeah. on that. Um, yeah, that's kind of a, that like, could I don't, land I don't on a, a strong opinion con. on I, any of this, really. <laughs> like, yeah, I think the thing to me is if I would feel more comfortable about removing feet, if there was some plan for improving the WCA as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like, if if we got rid of feet and clock and, like, added, you know, team blind or other cool events and said, like, this is our solution to, you know, making WCA competitions more fun for people and getting more people to participate in a variety of events, mm-hmm. awesome. You know, that's, I, I'd be more on board with that. But just removing an event with, like, no real plan for what to do instead to me um, feels a little empty. Like, it, it just feels like a step backwards with no step forwards. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it's um, it's also, like, if they implemented some kind of system with, like... The, the other thing is you don't have to get rid of feet to add other events. Um, yeah, like, some people say you do just because, you know, world championships can only be so long. Yeah, but that's where other systems can come in, but we've talked about that at length. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so... I, I agree. I think that it it kind of came out of nowhere for me, at least, as someone who has yeah. has not been involved, obviously, in any of this w- internal WCA internal discussion. Um, yeah, and I definitely don't like personally. I don't like how it's approached, and I wish there were more community involvement throughout this. Yeah, I, I think that I don't necessarily think that it should be like a vote for all cubers. Um, no, but I think it should be something in between. Like, I I don't think I should have just heard about it. I think. I think there should have been more like discussion and people like, I don't know. I guess it's like the idea of a representative system where the people in the WCA yeah. should represent the will of the people, <laughs> the people yes. um, of Cubers and like tr- right. do what's best for the community. And that does involve getting some community feedback, even if it's not directly applied to the final decision. Totally agree. We still totally need to agree. hear it. Yep. Uh, I guess the other, the other thing to add on to this is that, it's caused a lot of people to talk about how clock would be a better candidate for removal. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I, 
honestly wouldn't mind too much but again i still have the same arguments of people have put a lot of time into the event there's a lot of i mean it, it doesn't have the same quality as a feat of having interesting solving methods mm-hmm. i mean there's like slightly different pin orders but definitely <laughs> it's not like you know cl- like for feat solving you know makes things like zbll more approachable to implement mm-hmm. i i will say that um one of the arguments that a lot of people use against clock is that it's so mm. different from everything else we have in in the WCA. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know that that's a reason to get rid of it because there are a lot of events that are different and we like them because they're different. Um, yeah, I think the the argument they make though is that it doesn't fit with it. Like it's not it's it's not that it's cuz variety can be a good thing, but it's also like um like if we added um sudoku solving. Yeah, that's also a puzzle, as, but <laughs> it's also a puzzle like it's doesn't fit it's definitely clock is definitely closer to WCA others WC events than Sudoku is, but um, you know, yeah. it's definitely a different kind of twisty puzzle. You know, and some people wouldn't even call it a twisty puzzle at all. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it's 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 like it's like if we include if we're including clock, then should we also include like fifteen puzzle and sliding piece puzzles right. like that? Yeah, right. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, right now would just say no. That's stupid. Why would we add fifteen puzzle? um and then you know if clock weren't an event right now and people are like no why would we add clock that's stupid yeah it's kind of interesting to think of it in in the lens of if it weren't an event now would we add it um yeah and that's a really interesting question for a lot of events i think um like seven by seven i feel like the answer might be no for that uh much much very similar to how the answer now is no for eight by eight um yeah. There's like some limit there that you eventually reach, and I don't know like where that limit is, but I feel like I don't even know if six by six would be added. Maybe, but then once we have six by six, would we have seven by seven? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how on how the hardware evolved, you might have seen seven before six. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so if you had to choose one over the other, um, yeah, like I don't think you need to go in sequential order. Like honestly. Um, I haven't tried the new MF puzzles, mm-hmm. the, the new 8 and 9, but um, from what I've heard, the 9 is a little smoother to turn, just because they're literally the same thing, but one doesn't have internals Yeah, <laughs> to the same extent. Um, you know, I think that honestly, if we had to add one of 8 or 9, I'd rather see 9. Hmm. I don't think i would agree but because <laughs> it's yeah just, i mean to- it's so long. under 10 minutes it's isn't so a huge long. thing <laughs> yeah that is that is a good point too so yeah <laughs> i think I yeah know. i don't know but yeah i also don't know if that's a good way to frame it because i don't know if we would really add any events if like if you're like where do we add this yeah because it's yeah exactly that's another point too is that you know a, a lot of people they don't want to add anything as it stands so it's not even a good perspective to take because it, you know even if there weren't clock right now or there weren't feet right now they'd be like no i like the event list as it is let's not add anything yeah <laughs> Like, no matter what the event list is, that's always going to be the most popular form of the event list because it's what people know and have practiced around. Yeah, so yeah, it's kind of, it's an interesting perspective, but I don't think it's the be-all, end-all perspective. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that's, I, I think overall we both have pretty ambivalent views on this. I personally prefer it not be removed unless, like, there is a greater action plan and more community involvement. Like, if... If after, you know, some community involvement in this decision that, you know, we come to the conclusion that we'd prefer to remove it and have future actions to improve the events of the WCA, not just take away, um, I think I'd feel better about it. 
Yeah, I, I think I agree um, with that. Yeah, that's. but I think as it stands, I kind of prefer not getting rid of it under the current presumptions mm-hmm. that we have. I will say that the announcement that it might be removed has motivated me to practice it a little bit. <laughs> so I, like, if it does get removed, I want to get a result before that happens, just that I can say I did. <laughs> yeah. Or, well, I, I mean, mean I, kinda... I guess I already have a single, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of wish I had a uh, a, ma- a magic uh, result. Yeah, me too. I competed. I competed in 0809, and at my very last competition that I competed before coming back in 2013, I won a magic in a mystery event at Canadian Open 2009. So that was when I first had a magic, but I didn't go to a competition again until magic was gone. Yeah, I think so. I think it might have been like an event in the WCA, but I don't think I ever went to any magic competitions. So, are we done? I think so. I think I'm done. I'm hungry. All right, cool. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that we can agree on something. <laughs> I, I mean, not we actually yeah, we, kind of agreed, we agreed on, on, on most today. things today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm glad that we can continue to agree that we are both hungry. Yep. Well, I didn't agree that you're hungry. I just agreed that I am hungry. True. True. So maybe we actually disagree right now. It's possible. I'm, I'll get back to you on it. I'm ambivalent. Do you, Do you want to do like experiments on me to see if you think I'm hungry? Yeah. Don't or... eat anything. I'll be right over there. Okay. It's just like a you know an hour or two. Yeah. Totally. By plane. Right. I'm gonna walk though. <laughs> oh. Okay. So don't eat anything until I get there. Then we'll see if you're hungry. All right. Sounds good. So basically, don't eat anything until the next podcast.